Yeah, you compare yourself out of ownership. And that's yeah. all these three C's. Truly, if they have one thing in common, it's are you going to own or aren't you going to own? Because if you're not an owner, you compare yourself to you don't have to do anything. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thank you for having a desire to be your best at work. On this podcast, your stories told by people who take actions to improve workplace culture and achieve results. Our conversations show how to live and model our nine principles for organizational excellence. On October 28th and 29th, we're holding a virtual destination high performance event. We're getting closer and closer. I'm thrilled that Quint Studer will join me on stage to engage in conversations about leadership and building vibrant communities. To lead into our conference, Quint has been my guest and will continue to be my guest for several weeks. To learn more about our upcoming virtual events like Leader Roundtables, What's Right in Education and Destination High Performance, visit studereducation.com slash events. We're connecting back with Quinn as we continue to talk about the weekly column he writes in the Pensacola News Journal that provides relevant, timeless leadership advice. Today, Quinn and I will discuss his article focused on the three C's, comparing, complaining, and criticizing. It's great to have Quint back with us today. Um, as you know, we've been uh, connecting with Quint as we lead up to Destination High Performance in Pensacola. It'd be virtual, but we'll uh, have better and higher connections with Quint. So Quint, it's great to connect with you and connect back to some of the topics that you write weekly in the article. Welcome back today. Well, thank you. And when you said destination high performance, I'm thinking these are the three C's that keep you from getting there. It's the roadblocks and the detours that'll keep you from achieving high performance. As I had mentioned to you earlier, I mean, it just resonates with almost everyone, Quint. So, and I had mentioned to you that my dad and I talked about it last night where he said, these are things that I really can relate to. I really like Quint's articles. So talk a little bit more about the three C's, comparing, complaining, and criticizing. Tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, I'm not sure where I heard them, but I'm sure they're not original. That's why I wrote the article, you know, bless the imitators, not the innovators. Because <laughs> um, I imitate a lot and, and I hear things. And so I, I don't think I came up with them, but either I heard them or I tweaked them or I put them together. And, and what I mean by comparing, complaining and criticizing, it, it, it just reminds me of those are three areas that are going to create negative energy internally in a human being, and they might not even know it. Because when I'm comparing, and maybe it's me, but I don't think so, I think people that compare will probably feel less than, you know, why, why do they get this? Or you compare, for example, the great excuse is, um, you know, well, that's because they, they have a better, they have more money than we or they have better facilities than us, or it's because this, it's because of that. And so I think when you compare, you normally feel less than, and it's just a natural tendency. So I tell people, try not to compare. And the story I, I use, I'll remember it was uh, when I was president of Baptist Hospital. These employees wanted to meet with me because they had heard that the, another hospital in town, they had a lot better um, term life insurance at this other hospital. So that meant they had better benefits. Not that they had better term life insurance, they had better benefits. So I said, well, let me do a benefit comparison and get back with you. So I did a benefit comparison and find out there was a benefit, I think it was short-term disability that we offered that they didn't even offer. So I met with them and said, you're right. 
that they have better term life insurance than us. We have some, but not to their extent. But they don't have short-term disability. But we could financially stop giving short-term disability and move that money into long-term life insurance. And they looked at me and said, we don't want to do that. So, so we went from they have better benefits to, well, they don't. So, so when we compare, we tend to cherry pick. And that's what I mean. We, we tend to pick the, the one thing, you know, when I was, and, again, was in healthcare, it's, well, they have more private rooms than us. If you're in education, it's going to be, not that these aren't, aren't things you have to deal with, but you know what's because they have um, better student-teacher ratio. I, I was doing a thing, Janet, years ago for a school board, and I compared the 10 school districts that they'd compared to. And they were stunned that some districts they thought they were better than were, were better than them. So yeah. I said, well, maybe they have more you know, dollars per pupil. It could be that. Well, then I looked it up and it was the opposite. They had less money per pure pupil. But we, we sort of compare until we don't have to take ownership and then we quit the comparison. And I think too, I've heard you really talk about people thinking that they're terminally unique when they think like if I compare or if I'm working with an organization, you know, well, we have this certain circumstance, right? We have this right. circumstance. So we can't, you know, we can't think of it in a particular way. So they're, they're really isolating themselves from looking at ways they can improve. Yeah, you compare yourself out of ownership. And that's yeah. really all these three C's. Truly, if they have one thing in common, it's are you going to own or aren't you going to own? Because if you're not an owner, you compare yourself to you don't have to do anything. And then the next one is, is complaining. You know, it's interesting because I was watching some superintendent interviews on a video. And um, recently, you know, they've shown them live. And one of the candidates was um, complaining about, well, we need more of this. We need more of this. We need more of that. And I'm thinking, well, you've been in the school district. So who's supposed to be delivering these things. So complaining also um, just falls in the trap. And this came from one of these deals where uh, it's in my article, you know, and school districts are really struggle with this because you usually have a corporate office, which I'll call the superintendent's office. It's usually not in a school if it's big. So it's separate. And then you got all these school schools, elementary, middle, high school. And, and I find it seems like it's real common for everyone to think they're the neglected one. Yeah. You know, they're the one that's not getting attention. They're the one that no one's um, talking about. And in my uh, article, I talk about the fact that, you know, if you're a superintendent of schools, you got enough going on in your life. You're trying to figure out how to pay this bill, how to pay this bill, to know what's going on at ABC Elementary School. Not that you don't want to, but it's just not going to be there. And then people wonder why they're not getting recognized. Well, they're not giving the person a reason to recognize them. And in my article, I talk about when I was president of Baptist Hospital, we, we had a little hospital they still do called J Hospital. And it's, I don't know how many, 50 miles or so from Pensacola. And Mark Faulkner, a young administrator, I went out there. And um, he went out there and if and I would have known what was going on at J Hospital. Maybe once a month, you see the financials. But, you know, Mark, every couple of weeks would send me a really nice email and he'd just start with, Quinn, I know you like to recognize performance and let me tell you about our emergency room. Let me tell you about our operating room. Let me tell you about this doctor. Let me tell you about this security guard. And I would write notes to him and, I, and he made it better for me 
because they felt great that I would write them a note saying, hey, Mark told me what a good job you're doing. But Mark managed them up. And I think one of the challenges, one of the things that every manager, whether it's a principal, has to realize is they are the public relations office for their entity. Yeah. And they cannot wait to be recognized. You've got to sort of, and it's in all my books, manage up. Manage up people and not assume that the boss should know. So I, I think when it got down to complaining, it's really, you know, come up with some solutions here. Just don't complain about it. What are some suggestions you have? But it was really tied into, you have to realize that it's up to you to get your teachers at recognition. It's up to you to get your bus driver's recognition. The superintendent just has so much on their plate. And also, again, for principals, it's up to that teacher to go to the principal. You know, I don't know about you, but if I'm a principal and a teacher says, can I see you? My first thought is not, here comes some compliments. <laughs> They're probably going to be talking about, you know, it's, oh my gosh, what's going on now? You know, I, I think teachers has the ability to go to the principal and say, hey, here's a, a parent you might want to outreach to. They're doing some great work. Here's a student you might want to recognize. I think people want to recognize people, but they just don't want to glad hand people. So the more specific we can be to bring that positive up. And that, that's where the complaining came from. It came from people whining, truly whining. Nobody recognizes us. We don't get enough attention. They get all the good stuff. And I always say it's amazing. We say we don't communicate. Yet, my gosh, this, this school over here knows this school got new tile <laughs> by okay. 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning when they just got it in over the weekend. We, we communicate. We just don't communicate the good stuff. That's right. That's right. And your last one, Quint, of the three C's was criticizing. So talk a little bit about criticizing. Well, I think, and I don't want people to think we shouldn't give constructive criticism per se, or we don't want to give, hey, here's a do. But I find criticizing for me when I criticize is because my insecurity. At that moment, I want to feel better about me. And if I can criticize you, what I'm really doing is complimenting me. Like, I can't believe they did that, which I'm really saying I would never do anything like that. I, I can't believe they're thinking like that, which means, well, I'm smarter than them. I don't think like that. It's like when we drive, I cannot believe they did that. Well, it's because <laughs> I'm not doing it. So I think criticizing, we have to be very careful. Are we criticizing to be constructive? Are we criticizing because we're just getting some juice out of putting someone or something or someone down so we can feel better about us. Well, I think that's a real powerful message. And it's a whole different way of, of thinking about how we approach the way we interact with people. So, you know, one of the recommendations or tips that you had in your article, because you gave several tips and you've talked a little bit about some of those today, but one of them that you talked about is framing your message in a positive way. And I think that runs across probably all three of these, Quint, but can you talk a little bit more about how we frame our messages? Because that's what I find is really key, helping people really figure out how to message things because just a way they communicate or language they choose can get in the way of even a good intent at times. Well, I learned this as a high school teacher and, you know, it's, it's interesting because they, you never want to put, uh, I taught high school <clears throat> and I had, I had like um, the guy who came in third in high school wrestling heavyweight in my class. And, and he had some behavioral challenges. And what I learned was never put him in a position where he doesn't have an exit strategy. I think when we talk about framing, <clears throat> excuse me, what I mean by that is, for example, 
what Mark Faulkner did. I know you want to recognize people. He framed it. He didn't say, hey, we haven't been recognized for the last two months. No one knows what we're doing. He said, I know you like to recognize people. I think I did a webinar the other day on how to get your boss aligned with you because we always talk about bosses aligning. And it was saying things like, um, you might not have noticed this because if you did, I don't think this would have happened. You know, the other day at a faculty meeting, you said this, and maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but here's how I interpret it. And don't say, here's how we interpret it. Here's how I interpret it. Now, it could just be my perception, but I know you wouldn't want to come across like this. Oh, you're right. So I think messaging is positioning it so the person can hear what you're saying without being defensive. Because we message something where we're pointing a finger. That's why um, many of my articles, or when you hear me speak, I don't say the word you, you, you. Because when somebody says, you need to do this, you need to do that, people immediately get a little defensive. It's we need to. Here's where we're at. I helped a, a CEO of a hospital message two weeks ago because his employee engagement survey came back and everything, every emotional bank account he had built is gone, <laughs> mm-hmm. is gone. And now right away, it's all COVID-19, you know, because they had to lay off some people, all sorts of things. And we talked about the fact of he can get in front of his group and apologize mm-hmm. and say, you know what? I heard you. You're right. I, I hindsight, I wish I would have communicated this better. Now, here's what we are going through. And now that I look back, there's some, many things I could do better. And I just want to apologize. And then he created a rapid response team. So if something comes up again, they're going to give him tips on how he can do better. So the time he got done, they were telling him it wasn't that bad. He's okay. <laughs> yeah. They understand. But it's how you message it. And yeah. I, I like to frame, I call it framing the conversation. Yeah. Um, I remember we had a neurosurgeon that everybody thought was rude because he walked by people. And I said, doctor, I know you don't mean this, but when you walk down the hallway, you're probably so obsessed with the surgery that you walk right by people and don't acknowledge them. He said, I didn't even know he did that. Yeah. But I didn't act like you're rude. You're a jerk. Cause right away they said, well, he's so rude. He's so arrogant. I, and it wasn't that. He was so busy focusing on the surgery. I mean, I, if I'm getting my brain operated on, I'd sort of like someone focusing on my surgery than worrying about saying hello to everybody <laughs> who walks right. by. <laughs> That's right. But, so so I, I think messaging is really important. I think, too, it's, it's taken ownership for managing up your team and your organization. Mm-hmm. Because I think most superintendents, most directors of curricula, most everyone would like to compliment, but we have too much integrity to insult someone just by complimenting them if we really don't know why. I, I think people get turned off when somebody gets up and says, everybody's great. Well, they know there's somebody in there that isn't great, or you all do such a good job. They know that's not true. Now, that's going to happen periodically. I get that. But I think one of the best gifts you can give your boss is to give them recognition so when they see somebody or write to someone, and it makes a huge difference. You know, it makes yeah. a huge difference to that teacher or that, yeah. you know, how I said, if I was a principal, I would at least call a couple parents every day because I think 99% of the parents are quite happy with the school district, quite yes. happy with their teacher, but they're busy. And if I bet you if I called, you know, Miss Pilcher and said, you know, this is Quint Studer, I'm the principal of the school, your son, Ethan, um, I just want, has Mrs. So-and-so and I just like to call and I have a frame it. I call parents every day. 
So I, you know, it's not like I picked you up. I call a couple parents yeah. every day. Your name came up today. And I just want to, you know, how do you feel Ethan's doing this year? And you're going to say, oh, and you're going to like the teacher. Now I walk into the teacher and I say, hey, I talked to Ms. Pilcher about Ethan. Here's what she said about you. And if it's not positive, then I have a development opportunity. So I just think complaints grow like weeds and compliments just stay under the soil. So we've got to get the compliments out. I love what you just said in that last the last statement. And, I, and I've learned so much, um, and my team will tell you that in so many ways, when we talk about writing and positioning and connecting and building relationships, it's that framing of your message that, that you taught me so well, Quinn, and I hope that I'm, I'm taking that to our team. Uh, I'm still learning and still trying to recover from my own mistakes from time to time. But in life, that is, that's one of the things that, you know, you, you gave me a gift in that teaching. So it's made a huge difference in my life and leadership. So as we leave today, when you think about the three C's and the tips that you gave, you know, what do you leave our readers with just some final advice on the three C's? Keep them in front of people. People actually have fun with the three C's. My mother, who's 95, called me this morning because <laughs> I always talk to her about the three C's to tell me she thinks she has a valid reason to complain today. <laughs> going to the dentist and she wants to know if that's a justified complaint of going to the dentist. I said, yeah, I think I'll give you one today. <laughs> um, but you know, it's made a difference with my mother. My mother's 95 and you know, you have not a lot going on. It's easy to complain. It's easy to compare. It's easy to criticize. And I think you've got to keep the three C. It's sort of a fun thing. I mean, in, your, in a school district, you can sort of say, here's three C's. And, and I bet you the smart school district will even replace them. So instead of comparing, criticizing, complaining, what are the other three C's we can do to pass those over? And I don't have them. I'm waiting for one of your school districts to come up <laughs> okay. with them. But you know what I mean? You've you got to yeah. keep in front of people. And, and you've got to call them out. Especially, you know, and that's why I say, you know, we, we've created a culture where people get credit for complaining when, when I think it's really, really vital that they get credit for solutions. And yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things for a leader to do because, and I know I'm going on, but most of your people that are listening to this broadcast are in leadership. Yeah. And they got into leadership because they brought solutions and they separated themselves from other people because they brought solutions. So you're sort of reinforced to bring solutions. The challenge is you don't develop other people if you always give them solutions. But so that's how we got there by bringing solutions. But now that we're there, we've got to teach other people to do solutions. And I think one of the hardest thing for a leader to do is even when they have the solution is to keep their mouth quiet and just say, what do you think? What do you think? Most people that work for me know that my number one response to anything is what do you recommend? What yeah. do you recommend? Forcing the group to come up with solutions. And I think that would be my tip. The only thing similar and most powerful is to say to the kids, do whatever your mother says. <laughs> do whatever your mother says. <laughs> but reality, when somebody comes to you with a complaint, just say, what do you think we should do? And then you also learn can, how, what's their critical thinking skills. Because yeah. that's really why people become leaders is because they normally have really good critical thinking skills. Yeah. Great advice today, Quint. 
and um, good thing for me to take with me with my partners, the three C's. Uh, I know we all need to have those in front of us. And I know people that I work with in the field would appreciate having those in front of them too. Thanks for being with us today. As always, uh, enjoy and learn from you. Well, I'm excited about Destination High Performance because I've seen so many of the presenters and you're really I think you've always had a great conference, but I think you really, maybe because it's virtual, you have more options to bring some people that might not be able to travel, but I really think it's going to be a phenomenal conference. Thank you, Quint. Thanks. Thanks for today. Take the three C's with you and think about them every day. As Quint says, our goal is to foster ownership and the way we frame our message contributes to people owning their behaviors that shifts them from complaining, comparing, and criticizing. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you subscribe. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week, everyone.